hello to everyone. Um, welcome to the Pinfall Podcast. I'm Liz. I'm going to try to pretend that I'm not looking directly at notes. Um, and I'm here with my uh, esteemed co-host, Smith. Um, well, uh, we hope that you're having a great Friday on this incredibly warm and balmy day. Uh, we're here basically to bring you insights into all the WWE matches that happen, all the WWE properties. So SmackDown, Raw, NXT, um, and also any of the events that happen, like Backlash, which is coming up this weekend or next weekend. Um, and we're going to give you insights on news and gossip and stuff like that and kind of give you our own relatively uneducated opinions on all of it. And I will also probably spend a lot of time talking about how much I think so many of the wrestlers are attractive. Um, so to start us off, Mark, why don't you give us a little um, intro to who you are and your relationship with wrestling and all that? <sighs> if there's even a relationship to talk about. I mean, I just got into wrestling like, what, a month or two ago? Like like three months. Ago. Three months, yeah. It's very short-lived, um, but still super into it. Um, I was mildly into it growing up. I thought it was really cool. Um, I really, I tried to give it a shot when I was a kid, because um, one of my best friends growing up loved Seamus a lot, so um, that was kind of where, like, those seeds were kind of planted to begin with, um, but I didn't, those seeds didn't really grow until three months ago, so. Um, that's pretty much how I got involved in wrestling, too. I... The town I grew up in was really into it. There was a lot of guys that I went to school with that were, like, super high-key into, like, Seamus and Steve Austin and John Cena. And I just remember seeing them being like, this feels ridiculous. I don't know what you're talking about, but it seems silly to watch a bunch of sweaty men fight each other. Um, and then I started watching it more in college, and suddenly I was like, oh. There's quite a thrill in this, actually. <laughs> um, we basically started getting really into it, I think, together shortly before WrestleMania. Um, I think we started watching SmackDown and then moved into Raw, and then out of some form of desperation, started watching NXT. Uh, because it's like every other day you get sports on when there's currently no sports. So we've definitely gotten a lot more into it, I think, recently. And now that we give the WWE $9.99 a month, um, I think we've gotten even more into it. <laughs> um, so we are going to spend tonight recapping the SmackDown episode from tonight, from June 5th, 2020. Um, I think the episode finished about... 12 minutes ago. Um, and it was a, it was one of those weird episodes, I think. It was one of those episodes where they're gearing up for a big match and a bunch of like different stuff is happening, so a lot of it was promos. Yeah, I mean, you had the whole Miz, John Morrison, Braun uh, promo, which lasted, which was like the big promo of the event. Um, and then you had Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles which was prepping for their fight you had um 
Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, which is now going to be at uh, Backlash, which we'll talk about more later. Um, but then there was the fight between um, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and Bailey and Sasha Banks, which was its yeah. own thing. It's something. It's definitely something. Um, so uh, tonight we started with Jeff Hardy. They recapped uh, Hardy's car accident where he, I guess, murdered Elias. Um, I, I'm still really torn on that. Um, basically, so tonight Jeff Hardy came out and yelled about how Seamus set him up and how somebody saw a man with red hair and a red beard running from his car and like setting like all these like getting alcohol over him or whatever and like planting things um so jeff and seamus ended up fighting which was absolutely wild <laughs> yeah um i i think it was it was a good fight it was decent but it was so short it was like most of the fight took place off of the stage um, but I don't know. I'm still not sold on Jeff Hardy. Um, Seamus, I have no clue what they're trying to do with him right now besides turn him into a heel. Um, and like, I don't know if they want Jeff Hardy to shine on his return or if they want him to just completely fall on his ass, which it seems like they want him to. Yeah, I I felt um, first of all Jeff when he came out to talk like he was being so dramatic and it felt like he was like coming out for some sort of Oscar like with his whole monologue about how he came back from like all these problems and that automatically was like okay all right <laughs> I guess we're doing this um, but I really I don't know what they're trying to do with Seamus right now it seemed like they were like trying to turn him into a heel and then Jeff came back and like the whole point was like Seamus just wants to prove himself on a grand scale and he hasn't been given that opportunity in a really long time because he's been fighting nobodies mm. and like pinning them within like five seconds of like them entering the ring um, but I think one thing that I really appreciate is that like they're really showing Seamus using like absolutely brutal strength and he's enjoying being a heel I think or being hated for the most part as it is right now I think he doesn't mind being a heel he just wants to get the respect that he deserves or that he thinks he deserves and he thinks the only way to do that is by being a heel like by being um, this savage brute that just can take down the the big names like Jeff Hardy I also think that um, shame has been around long enough now that like turn suddenly is like I think that's just like another par for the course for him he's like alright everyone knows me this doesn't matter Yeah. Um, but I think it is very smart of them to pair up Jeff Hardy who vanished into the ether after being so massive um, with Seamus who's been around for I'd say maybe like what at least 15 years now um, and eventually in the episode they announced that Jeff and Seamus are going to be back. Um, uh, you're going to have to say that again. Your audio cut out completely. Great. Okay. Let me move my mic a little closer. Let's see. 
How's this? Um, I was saying that uh, I think that um, it's they announced that Jeff and Seamus are going to be fighting each other at Backlash uh, next Sunday, or not this coming, but the following. Um, and I'm really excited to see how that goes because it's these two like really old figures, I guess. Little figures in WWE finally coming back together on the same night as Orton and Edge. So it's kind of got like a theme now. Yeah. Um, and then Braun and The Miz and John Morrison. We'll get into that. That's like too much to handle. <laughs> Um, I do have some theories about Jeff and Seamus and their whole thing, but I want to bring that up later when we talk about AJ Styles, because I know you have some ideas of what actually happened, and I'm 100% not, sho- not sold that Seamus did a single thing wrong. Um, but let's move on real quick um, and go on to the Otis and Mandy promo that turned into an Otis and King Corbin fight. Yeah, I didn't see this fight coming at all. It was just <laughs> pulled out of a hat. Um, but, I mean, I think it turned out to be one of the best fights of the night, honestly. Um, seeing, like, two guys who are completely, like, unexpectedly fast and nimble fighting mm. each other, I think it was pretty awesome. I... I definitely think it was really awkward how they set it up um, because it was just like, oh, Mandy and Otis are walking and Otis sees a crown. He takes it and suddenly King Corbin and Otis are fighting. Like that was never planned. Um, But I do, I did really enjoy watching the fight for sure. I think it is very fun to like see someone who can finally kind of take on Otis like without kind of messing with him um, just by like using strength and King Corbin's just so fast and so strong and so nimble that he's a perfect match for us. And I never realized that. Um, but I really, really, really want to see Corbin win a fight. <laughs> yeah, he's been long overdue for a fight, especially after his loss to Drew McIntyre. He needs to beat somebody. Not only that, but he needs to beat somebody big. Somebody who really deserves to be beat. Um... But I think what they're setting up is his sort of fall. Um, Because did Otis and Mandy walk away with his crown, or did he get it back? He had it at the end of the fight, like, when he first, like, when he got disqualified. I don't know if he kept it, though, um, after that point. But I guess when you say it like that, because I do think about how he went from Baron Corbin to King Corbin, I kind of see where you're going, I think. Now he's going to become Emperor Corbin. Oh, I thought he was going to become Pauper Corbin. <laughs> or Peasant like Corbin. Por- or Jester. <laughs> like a little, little bells. <laughs> I do, I, I really do want to see him get a full fight. He felt really disjointed, I think, tonight. Um, a lot of it, and I don't know if they were playing off the fact that he lost his crown and that may have like, thrown him off, but he kind of seemed like a step behind Otis for the entire first half up until he started kind of gaining on Otis. Um, The fact that he was able to drive himself or rather drive Otis from the air into the mat, that was stunning. I was like, oh shit. He's got muscles. 
Also, everybody, stay tuned to the end of the podcast for what we will deem to be the fight of the night. If we can agree on it, because we actually did not choose what we were going to choose, what we were going to say beforehand. Um, but that was, I, I think this is like one of the, he's been disqualified several times now, I think, in matches. Yeah, um, ever since, like, before Money in the Bank started. And I feel like this is just, like, the WWE's way of being like, oh, we don't really know what to do here, so we're just going to keep letting people play, like, really dirty constantly. Um, but, yeah, I, I personally just... I was thrilled to see Corbin perform so well, but I was really hoping that he was going to win because Otis has been winning a lot recently and I feel like Corbin's not been at all. Yeah, I think um, they're either going to I don't know, they might set up Otis to because he still has to use his contract, they might set him up to lose his contract fight um, because somebody is going to like knock him down a size or um, he's going to beat somebody completely mm -hmm. unexpected and I think it's hard with Otis because Otis is such a lovable character and a lovable guy that it's not quite like like when we talk about like how like you think Drew McIntyre is going to lose his title because he's kind of getting cocky you can't say the same thing for Otis Otis is just kind of like yeah. having fun enjoying his like new girlfriend and stuff like that so I think it's hard to see where he's going to slip up mm -hmm. um also, the fact that Corey Graves called him King Mayonnaise the Eighth when he had the crown on was painful but hilarious. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned this earlier. Uh, let's let's take a second to discuss the Miz and John Morrison. Just one second. Yeah, since that was fun little pranks that turned into crime. Uh, should we just talk about the first promo before we get into the rest of them? I think let's just dive into all the promos because I feel like it's going to be weird if we kind of like jump around back and forth. Okay. Because it really does play out well as a whole storyline. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so first of all, their sunglasses were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, their hey, hey, ho, ho sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I feel like this is turning into like an early 2000s like teen hijinks movie with the two of them. Mm. Like that's what it feels like all the time now. Yeah. Um, and it works well for them. They're having fun. Yeah. Uh, it perfectly fits their characters and I think it's really the only way they can have uh, Miz and John Morrison get close to beating Braun unless they pull some kind of trickery at the, at the backlash during the actual match. Yeah, I mean, Braun is a tank, um, so I don't know how they would win, but at the same time, you know, Braun isn't as nimble as John Morrison, as he doesn't have that kind of, like, ability to just kind of, like, bounce around. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they are somewhat well-paired for that backlash match, but I don't... The way that this evening's episode went, it feels like they're being set up to get their graves dug by Mr. Strowman. I, I'm still 
firm in my belief that Bray Wyatt's going to come into the equation and join uh, the Miz and John Morrison side because A, we haven't seen Bray Wyatt in a while, and B, um, he's unhinged now. He The Fiend is probably out loose, and the Miz and John Morrison stand no chance against Braun because technically they both already fought him when Otis was alongside him, and I... I don't even remember how that fight went, but it it doesn't it seem went. like they're completely. I don't know. I don't know. O- Otis and Braun ended up destroying John and the Miz. Right. Um, but first of all, I don't think Bray is coming back anytime soon. He just had a child, so I feel like. Bray's probably going to be gone until at least after Backlash. Um, I am really looking forward to seeing him come back, but um, I do think that Braun is going to... He's got to have some sort of development, because he had a lot of like character development when Bray was still around, and now it's kind of stopped, because mm-hmm. he's getting into like all these like hijinks with the Miz and Morrison. Um and also, one thing that I can't get off my mind at this point now is Braun tipping a van over. And unless, like, they placed, like, some, some, like, maybe they had, like, something on the other side of the van that helped him. But that was stunning. Mm. I should know that he's that strong. But watching him do it, I was like, I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to take this at face value. <laughs> I just really hope the Miz and John Morrison were still inside. <laughs> when he did that and that it wasn't just a separate set that they were inside well he, they were definitely inside when he was hitting the side because you could see the LCD screen move mm. like you could see like the weird distortion on it mm-hmm. so I don't know if they were actually inside I don't know if Vince would really risk his men like that but also it is Vince McMahon so yeah he, <laughs> yeah, he would absolutely <laughs> risk their lives um so we can come back to this later if you want um if we find that you missed anything that you want to talk about Mm -hmm. um but let's quickly move on to because there's so much to cover i've got like four pages of notes here um the the little interview that we had with shorty g Mm -hmm. that got very quickly taken off the rails (laughs) because mojo came back for the first time since I think Wrestlemania um and that was pretty crazy I I think I mean yeah um I was shocked to see Mojo there um but (laughs) I'm liking this little rivalry between uh Cesaro Shinsuke and Shorty G and also the fact that like the New Day just were like you know what let's just defend him who knows who knows what's yeah. going to happen here? I guarantee that they were probably billed to fight the Forgotten Sons, and then Jackson Riker did his thing, and then they're like, they decided to cancel that fight and throw in the Shorty G. And may we just point out, a very convenient glossing over of the Forgotten Sons altogether tonight, um, in spite of the fact that they've been on virtually every episode since their 
uh, I guess, induction, if you will. Well, we, we can't say they've been on every episode because they've just had minor appearances and, like, they've done their little intro every episode. So, I don't know. It seems like the kind of thing that they're leading up to something, but... And now they can't because Jackson Riker decided to be a massive pile of human shit. Yeah. And his two tag team guys were like, no. <laughs> yeah, going off of that Got real it. quick, um, there was some news today that, according to the higher-ups at WWE, um, Jackson Riker will not be fired, but rather there's been a lot of tension around like the locker room. A lot of the other wrestlers are very upset. Um and they, there's rumors that they might not be able to continue their gimmick. Um, yeah. Which kind of sucks for Steve Cutler and the other guy. I don't remember his name. Never uh, remember his name. Isn't it Wesley Blake? Isn't yes. It? Yes, Wesley Blake. Yeah, it sucks for those guys. Um, but come on. I, I think the thing, like, it makes sense that they're not going to fire him, I guess. Um and makes sense is used very loosely here, I guess, because I guess in theory, a company can't fire someone because, you know, freedom of speech or whatever, mm-hmm. um, whether it's incredibly dangerous to say um, and stupid. But that being said, um, I just, it, when I first saw that tweet, I think it was earlier this week, um it was very I immediately remembered the fight where they were paired up with the Miz and Morrison and had to fight Lucha House Party in the New Day. Mm-hmm. And we were all just sitting there like That's a not s- smart choice, I guess. Um but I just it does really suck, I guess, for Steve Cutler and um, Wesley, Wesley Blake. Blake. Thank you. <laughs> um, it does suck for them, I guess, assuming they don't actually share the same viewpoints and weren't just trying to save face on Twitter. Yeah. Because I guess you can never really tell. And if they spend as much personal time as I imagine you have to spend with a tag team partner, it makes me kind of wary because like, I feel like you have to see that sooner or later. Like, you can't just constantly be talking about the best way to pin someone or, like, your diets or something. I feel like that has to come up sooner or later. Um, But assuming that they don't share those same beliefs and are opposed to those ideas, I think it really does suck for them. But at this point, in my opinion, the smartest thing that they can possibly do over at SmackDown is to just carefully remove Riker from camera I guess like not have him be out there with Steve and Wesley because at the end of the day Steve and Wesley are still a tag team it's still two people they can still tag each other in and it's still just as evenly matched as it would have been before if not more evenly matched because it's two people and not three so I think the the only smart choice and a choice that was granted to them uh, to the people at the WWE is to just be like you have to go over here. These two guys will still fight. They'll still do your whole shtick. Maybe we'll throw in some less polarizing words into their statements in the beginning. And that's that. 
because it w- it would be different if like it was two guys and one guy said something racist and ridiculous, but there's still two guys. It's still a tag team. You can still use them. I mean, him saying what he said on its own, like aside from his uh, slogan, is one thing. But I could see them really punishing him for attaching um, the w- like the WWE brand to what he said. Um, which, I mean, they legally can't fire him technically because of something, because of his political opinions. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping that they kind of cut the shtick, um, or just shove Jackson Riker aside. Yeah. And I think maybe stop having fights between the Forgotten Sons and like just the New Day or the Forgotten Sons and the other white tag team versus a tag team of two black men and a tag team of two Latino men. You know? Unless unless it's intentionally done to make them villains. Yeah, if they become heels suddenly, then fine. But... I think they are heels. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. So I guess if they become losers. Um... (laughs) I don't know, <laughs> but I it is really it's kind of a shame because I know Big E never really directly said anything about it. I know he's been really vocal on Twitter about everything that's been going on, but most of the people who spoke out about it were either um, alumni of the WWE or they were from Raw, and I would give anything for Mr. Kevin Owens to come out and just smack Jackson Riker on TV. I would give the world to him. Because when he called him pathetic, I was like, at least someone's got the right idea. I I don't think Vince McMahon, lovely Vince McMahon, is gonna (laughs) pit a fight just so one could kick the other's ass for an angry tweet. I don't even know how much say Vince really chooses to exercise over what truly happens at SmackDown on a night-to-night basis at this point. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's Stephanie now. Doesn't Stephanie control SmackDown? Come on. Um, anyways, let's not get too far off track, because I know I could talk about this for the next four hours, and the sun will come up, and I'll be embarrassed. Um, but so after we got to see Mr. Mojo call Shorty G a small man and make a lot of small people jokes about him um then we got to see one of my favorite fights from this this evening which was Lacey and Sonia which I know is probably one of your favorite fights too you know shockingly no um I I think the most interesting thing to come out of it was the ref getting weirdly injured um, after after what would have been a super sick move, um, I think it was Lacey just like kicks his shin and he falls over and just repeatedly says, um, what does he say? Like, get back. Yeah, he was like, get back, get back. Because what happened was Lacey was on the other side of the ropes. Or... It was Lacey was on top no. of Lacey was on top of the um, the buckle. 
yeah, Lacey was on the no, Lacey was on the other side of the ropes. She flipped over Sonia's back. Yeah. To like, I think pull. She pulled her over herself, yeah. I guess. And then Sonia came down and kicked her legs out and like tapped the ref on the shin, and he was like, like a past like soccer player or something. Yeah. Just like screaming. And then it had no bearing on the fight. There, there was no change. Just got in the front lady ref. Yeah. That was it. Which fine and Sonya Sonya got a cheap hit which didn't affect anything because she still lost I just I think Lacey's shtick is just kind of getting a little tired Um, I don't know I think it's it's just because it doesn't feel like she's a real person at any point and not to say like King Corbin seems like a real person it's just very like animated I guess and it doesn't seem like it's very complex emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, the fight that she had with Sasha and Bailey when they were like making fun of her daughter, that was like the most complex I think we've seen her. Um, but one of the things I really liked about this match is that it was one of the most physical matches I think that we saw tonight. You think There was so? a lot of follow through. Hmm. Um, like a lot of the hits seemed really solid. A lot of them, like you know, they made a good noise. There was a lot of like punching, and like you actually see the arm continue to move as opposed to just being like, eh. um, which it seems like a lot of the men get away with a lot more than women do in the ring. Which, mm-hmm. besides the point, um, but I am kind of glad that they finally brought back the Mandy and Sonya um, angle. I was hoping they just move on from it, honestly. They haven't moved on from so um, from Mad from from Mandy and Otis, so I don't know why they would move on from. Because Sonya he got he got the girl like uh, Dolph. But they were best and, friends, and then Sonia screwed it all up by being little trashy. Uh, but going back to Lacey Evans, I I think now that I think about it, I think she's going to go back to the Forgotten Sons because back in their NXT days, she was like attached with the forgotten sons because like of her whole bombshell thing um and like how that whole stick is like supporting the troops um i'm looking this up because i want to see that and their whole thing is like veterans you know coming back from war wouldn't that be so cool because like now that they're really trying to push um the whole intergender wrestling matches like at least they did that on nxt um last wednesday wouldn't that be kind of fun yeah if it was like a six person tag match with the two boys from the forgotten sons that we have yet to have to cancel and yeah if some other team because that'd be fun i would enjoy that a lot just replace jackson Riker with lacey evans there you go can we think of a better trade <laughs> honestly <laughs> It's like someone being like, here's some wet bread, or here's a nice steak. Like, I will take the steak. Get rid of the wet bread. <laughs> but I do, I, I'm kind of tired of the whole Sonya and Lacey thing. I don't really see much of a reason for it anymore. It's all just because Sonya called or said on Twitter that blondes can't fight or something. It's such a dumb reason to have this drawn out rivalry. I think it does a lot for me personally because 
Lacey's so fun and perky and Sonia's so dark and cool. And personally, I'm attracted to both of them. So when they're both in the ring, I'm like, ooh, I don't care who wins. I'm just happy. Um, I do think it's over now. I think their their whole thing is over because they yeah. introduced Mandy into the mix. Unless they try to do like a weird tag team thing with like Mandy and Lacey and Sonia versus them in some way. Blondes but. versus brunettes. Who would they have fighting alongside Sonia? Oh, God, what if they got Bailey? Oh. After, like, Sasha inevitably leaves her. That ever fucking happens. It's <laughs> been long in the... We've been waiting too long. So, real quick, let's, um... They they teased Matt Riddle again. Because uh, now he's part of SmackDown. And no longer in NXT. But they keep teasing him with no payoff we have absolutely no clue how he's going to be useful um you said that you think he's gonna maybe fight drew uh gulak yeah i think they're gonna start off having him fight somebody who's on the same sort of fighting style as him and drew gulak is a very technical fighter um very it's a very realistic fighting style alongside matt riddle's ufc fighting style um I think that would be a good matchup, or uh, I don't know. I'm excited for him. He's like, he gives me hardcore, like, California suburbs douchebag vibes, but, like, in a very lovable way. (laughs) It just seems like he's like, I'm having fun. It doesn't matter. but in spite of the fact that he's having so much fun, watching him fight Timothy Thatcher was like, it was so real. Yeah. I love that. And I want I want to see that kind of like energy come to SmackDown. Cause I think, I think SmackDown's starting to run out of things to do a little bit with the quarantine and the fact that they've got a lot of people that aren't there. Like a lot of big names, like Roman's not there and stuff like that. Bray's not there anymore. Um, so I think that Matt Riddle is a very good excuse to draw a lot of attention and excitement. I, I think a good person for him to fight is somebody who needs to be brought down to size. Because he is somebody... I mean, every intro he has, has... I think it's Corey Graves or um, the guy on uh, NXT. Like, don't... Um, don't judge him by his cool demeanor. Like, it's this whole thing of, like, he's this, like, you can't judge him by his appearance, you know? Uh, Yeah. I I think he's going to fight somebody who is really strong, um, but needs to be brought down because they completely underestimate him. Somebody like uh, a Seamus or... That's what I was going to say. Um, a king, no, not King Corbin. King Corbin needs no, to come give up. Give him something. <laughs> or um, yeah, I think, I, I think the way you put that is kind of smart because um, I know that they were talking. I read a couple articles where they were saying, you know, Matt Riddle's a great fighter and all, but they don't know how they're going to use him, um, and it. They basically like his first appearance needs to be something grand. Because if it's not, not a lot of people know him well enough to care enough, Yeah, I guess. It sounds cold, but that's what the article said. Um, personally, I care the world about him. But um, 
basically they said like he needs to make a name for himself in the SmackDown brand immediately. Like the moment his first fight has to be something amazing. And I think for him to fight a Sheamus, even though I don't want to see Sheamus lose or look worse than he's been looking because of the whole Jeff Hardy thing, I think if he fought a Sheamus or even, honestly, even if he, maybe after Daniel Bryan, well, if Daniel Bryan wins the Intercontinental Championship, maybe he'll challenge him because they are both really technical fighters. I'm also thinking maybe Braun. Braun might be a good opponent because he... Braun's not used to that kind of fighting style, and I think that fighting would be perfect for somebody much bigger than him. Mm. Um, And nobody's going to take Matt Riddle seriously. If he took down Braun, that would be making a huge name for himself. And, like, would be his perfect introduction into into the SmackDown roster. And especially if it happens right after Backlash. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Um, I really just, I want to see him be as big in SmackDown as he appeared to be in NXT. We didn't see him mm-hmm. that much because we only started watching NXT, I think, like a month ago. But I want to see him be just as big because he's crazy talented and kind of scares me. Also, yeah. he's so attractive. He's so cute. Um, so let's move on to fights. So we started this fight with Daniel Bryan and Mr. Styles talking to each other. And Daniel Bryan, my, I'm, I'm so in love with him. He's so sweet looking. He looks so gentle. And like the whole time he's standing there listening to AJ, he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's his turn. He just like went off into the stratosphere. Um, so I, I want to talk about, first of all, that intro and then that fight. Because both were kind of exciting. I was not that excited about this pairing or this like matchup until I think about now. Yeah, it's the it's the conflict between one guy who is trying really hard to be the number one he's like putting his heart into um being the greatest of all time and then somebody who thinks he deserves to be the greatest of all time somebody who thinks he's entitled to it and somebody who forgot that he got buried by the undertaker like at wrestlemania and was terrified of it but um so I think just going off those motives alone just says that Daniel Bryan's going to win. Like, you can't have AJ Styles win that. And I I love the little line Daniel Bryan threw in when he said, like, he's like AJ Styles is going to have a very, very few amount of people challenge him for that title. Just a very select few. Those who he thinks deserves it. And then Daniel Bryan will have anyone, anyone at all, challenge him for that title. Which, after just that comparison, how do you think AJ Styles is going to win? Yeah, I mean, Daniel has consistently been such a... 
I don't know, I don't really know how to put this, I guess, like a very genuine character in the sense that there's been very few times or if ever that I've watched him and been like, oh, his motives are like a little, a little self-serving here. Like he just seems to be out there to win and then in turn, I guess, almost help the other people that he wants to see win. Um, and I think that like, even going back to like last SmackDown episode where like Seamus was yelling at him and he's just saying they're kind of like holding in a smile and then just kicks him in the shin. <laughs> like, it's so small, but he he's so fun to watch. Cause again, I love watching the technical wrestlers. I think that's, I feel like I'm actually watching like a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as like, it just sells his intro music by the way is like very fun. I really like that. But his attitude is so bogus. And it's just funny for someone to like watch someone who opened a door in the WWE building to like the Undertaker's like secret hiding place or whatever it was at Money in the Bank and like be trembling in his boots to all of a sudden be like coming out there like, well, I deserve this and like blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> Did something happen? Um, but that brings me to wondering what you think. Do you actually think that Seamus was the one who screwed over Jeff Hardy? No, definitely not. I mean, it's they've been they're setting it up to be like some big like reveal. Um, they even I, th- I think in some promos they said like the truth will be revealed sometime soon um it's not gonna be Seamus uh a Seamus it's not in Seamus's character it's not something he'd do um second it's just uh, it's a huge assumption on Jeff Hardy's part um and there was no kind of reveal to it it was just Jeff Hardy came out and was like you did this and gotten a few punches and that was it I think I think it's either AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. Um, it's definitely in AJ Styles' character, but I think if they want to go for a big reveal, they're going to go for Daniel Bryan. Um, if they do make it Daniel Bryan, I'll probably have to cry. Um, like I, I, will, I will take a shot if it's Daniel Bryan, um, because I genuinely do not believe that. But... Personally, because I mean, the only thing we have to go off is like the witnesses at the scene said that it was a guy with red hair and a red beard. Yeah. Which, who? First of all, who were the witnesses? And if one of the witnesses was AJ, then okay. <laughs> but oh, wait, hmm. that makes me think. What? Maybe it was. I mean, it's it's definitely sounds like somebody trying to sh- frame Seamus. But that means whoever did it was different from the witness that they talked to who was trying to frame Seamus, you know? So it's more than one person trying to do this. So if it's AJ Styles, AJ Styles doesn't even have a cohort. It could be like Cesaro and Shinsuke or um, I, I, I don't know, but... That that's what I'm thinking right now. That I think 
I'm just going to say that I think ultimately, I, if you're going from that point of view, then you have 12 potentials being the 12 guys that were up for grabs in the Rumble mm-hmm. um, the other night. Personally, as I have said many times very vocally, there's no way in my head, even if that's how the WWE ends up putting it, there's no way I will ever accept that it was Sheamus that did it. Because mm-hmm. Sheamus, first of all, never like has ever sold himself as someone who would play that dirty to win. Because like anytime, like even with the, like the matches where he was like paired up against like some poor, it, it, it seemed like some NXT trainee that just got thrown into the ring with him and like scared shitless. Um, there was never a time where like he did anything like, you know, Shayna Baszler like stomps on people's elbows. Mm-hmm. He never did anything like that. It was always like a fair fight. It just wasn't fair because he was so big. Yeah. So I can't imagine for the life of me that it was him. That's already out of my head. Um, because if it was him, then that was stupid. Cause now he's not, he's still not in the running. So <laughs> And I don't think WWE would miss an opportunity to gain more viewership by setting up this big reveal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I, it was a I know Sheamus didn't do it. I think we can all agree on that. Um, AJ is a good contender, but that's like the safe choice. That's like if the creative team at... WWE is having a bad day and they just want to give it the laziest option it can be. I feel like it's a classic choice because like, they're holding out on like they're holding out on saying, "Oh, it was definitely AJ." Like they haven't shown you any proof. They haven't shown you any like real proof that it was Sheamus, but they also haven't shown you any proof that it was AJ. The only reason that they're assuming it's Sheamus is because Jeff Hardy hates Sheamus and therefore who else would he immediately go after? Like, "You did this to me." makes sense. I'm just thinking along the lines of like and hear me out here, the lines of like a Scooby-Doo episode. So, in every Scooby-Doo episode there's the guy that they pin it on. Or the the guy that the victims pin it on, which in this case is Seamus. And then you have the obvious candidate who in the moment seems very obvious, which is AJ Styles. At that meeting, he just immediately wanted to go to the finals, and that was it. The very reasonable choice that any viewer would pick. And then you have that one person who is the very unexpected choice, but then you start to connect the dots, like, from episodes upon episodes upon episodes, who would want Seamus to go down? Because this isn't Jeff Hardy going down, this is Seamus going down. Who has Seamus been antagonizing? Are you accusing Jeff Hardy, sir? No, I'm not accusing Jeff Hardy. I'm accusing, like, maybe Michael Cole did it. Michael Cole or Corey Graves, because he has intimidated both of them on a constant basis. But, no, Michael Cole has been terrified every single time Seamus comes out. Because <laughs> Seamus is so big! <laughs> but no, like, like do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I do. I do. I mean, I think 
<laughs> I feel like with this explanation, though, I feel like the backlash match between him and, like, Jeff is gonna have, like, a Saw-style, like, <laughs> rewinding of all the events, like, this is how you know him, and this is how you know him, and this is what happened. Like, Do you think this could go hand-in-hand hand with revealing who the hacker is? Maybe? I, I mean, the, I, I feel like if they told us who the witness was, then we would have a better idea. And I feel like there's a reason they haven't told us who the witnesses were. Because obviously the witnesses had to be somebody in the WWE. They were at the training center. They're, they're probably, like, we're probably completely overestimating the creative minds behind WWE. But also, like, there's probably going to be, like, some minuscule piece of evidence at the scene in, like, the background. Like, we're going to see some character, like, peeking around the corner during a recap that we never I saw. I don't think that you should shame the creative side of the WWE. I mean, obviously, like, they've done a great job as far as, like, there's some, there, there are definitely some people that, like, they kind of don't work as hard on, I guess. But this whole story, the fact that we've, you and I have been going on and on about this, not just right now, but in outside of this podcast, the fact that we've been going on and on about this shows that clearly they're doing something right, because neither of us have agreed on who it is. And it's not obvious. And I think the payoff will absolutely either be at the Intercontinental match or at Backlash. I think those are the only two options. What if it was Drew Gulak? It would not be Drew Gulak. He would want Daniel Bryan to get to the finals. He wants to help his boy out. But if he wanted Daniel Bryan to get to the finals, then he would have been like, hey, Daniel, I'm going to do this thing. Or like, he would have at least encouraged him to not... But that that would leave a paper trail, you know? But he would have encouraged him to not be like... It, Drew's been training this guy for, like, however long. He should know that Daniel Bryan's not going to just be like, yeah, I'm going straight to the finals. I don't care about anyone else. Like, that's not Daniel Bryan. <laughs> After his whole speech, if it's Daniel Bryan, I'm going to be really upset, too. Just as upset as I would be if it was Seamus. I mean... There's only one way I'm going to be happy, and that's if it's Mr... Mr. Styles. The whole trying really hard to be the number one could all be a facade, but also I think it. I think Michael Cole did it. Okay, I I can agree with that. Or like Corey Graves, I'll go with either of those. It was, it was both of them. Michael Cole is the one who drove the car into Elias, and Corey Graves was a witness. <laughs> Corey Graves was the one that poured alcohol over Jeff Hardy's body. Yeah. In a red wig and a red beard, though. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> on that note. We were then treated to a wonderful fight between Mr. Styles and Mr. Gulak. Mm-hmm. Um, which, that couldn't have gone any better than I expected it to. That was amazing. Yeah. That was perfect. That, I mean, especially right after when we thought, or when Drew Gulak was supposed to be leaving the WWE and his contract expired, the fact that we got that fight was just phenomenal. I, I think I, I've always been a fan of Drew Glock's fighting. I think he's one of the best fighters that the WWE has against AJ Styles, maybe one of the best heels that WWE has. Um, I, I think that fight was definitely a perfect lead in into this final. Um, I... So, 
it's funny you bring it up because when we both found out that Drew was suddenly leaving, quote unquote, um, it made his fight with Daniel Bryan just so much more painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when he came back, because also Drew was part of the fight, the Rumble. Mm -hmm. If you don't remember, yeah, he was part of that. So. Unless there's like some weird sabotage thing angle that they're going with here, where he like was like, "I want to be, I want to be Daniel Bryan." <laughs> um, sorry, I don't mean to go back to this, but <laughs> now that I'm remembering it. Um, but I just remember like when all of a sudden people were like, "Oh wait, no, we saw Drew at the training center, so he can't have left because he was in the middle of filming." So that doesn't make sense. And then Drew Gulag was like, yeah, I never left. I don't really know what anyone was talking about there. I mean, but, he, I, I think he said in the stream or something, he just wanted a raise. Oh, was that what he said? Yeah, he just he was oh. trying to argue a raise with them. I, I thought he just said, like, no, I never intended to leave at any point. I don't know why people thought I was leaving. And I was just sitting there like, well, because they put you in the alumni section, Drew. That's probably why. I mean, everybody's contract expires. And I'm sure they do that as a fail-safe. Um, but yeah. he, he did say he just wanted a, a raise. Um, but going back to what we were talking about, he is one of the most entertaining people to watch, I think, personally. Just based on, like, style. And getting to watch him against AJ was thrilling for multiple reasons. The first being Daniel Bryan's like love for his friend is so heartwarming. The way mm -hmm. that he just like cheering him on like a proud father. Yeah. <laughs> on the side of the ring. I was you know, like I need a friend like that. Um but and like the way they hugged afterwards I was like buddies. Um but getting to watch, first of all, because, you know, as they said on the uh, um, broadcast, Gulak is really good at the, um, at submission fighting. Yeah. Um, really good at getting people into, like, very uncomfortable positions. And if there is one thing I love more than anything as a finishing move, it is the German suplex. That was... Ugh. Like... <laughs> First of all, getting to watch Alistair Black do it last week, I think, I think was perfection. And then getting to watch Drew do it, it's amazing. I love that move. That's one of my favorite moves, because then they get up on their tippy toes, and like I don't know how you can possibly break out of that, considering all the force that goes back in the back bend. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's one of my favorite moves, and getting to watch that with a character I hate, and a character I adore yeah um I, i'm I hoping really... I, i'm hoping we get to see more drew gulak I, ho I hope they give him an actual story besides just daniel bryan's coach um they, they came close to it did they well yeah because like back when like there was that feud and like daniel and um daniel and drew weren't like working together and drew was trying to like convince him to be like come back to me like we can be friends we can do this together um, I think that was the closest that we personally as more recent full-time viewers got. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think we were, by the way, I think we were lucky that we started watching it just at the beginning of the pandemic because I think a lot of storylines started changing right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, because a lot of um, wrestlers left. I think we kind of got in on like page one of the new book. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we go back to to the Jeff Hardy Elias thing? I, I have a new theory. Okay. I have a feeling they're gonna do something completely stupid and be like, um, whoever drove the car, Je- Elias wasn't his target. Whoever was his target walked by a little quicker than Elias, and so Elias was unfortunately the victim. I don't know what Elias did to Vince McMahon or any of the McMahons or anyone in like SmackDown, but they hate him. He gets his ass beat. The most he's come to winning anything is beating Corbin for the Intercontinental Champion. He was screwed out of that. And also knocking Corbin off of the ladder of Money in the Bank. He's only beaten Corbin. That's it. person. And Shinsuke, he, remember when he threw Shinsuke into the piano and Shinsuke was like oh, broken? Oh, that was a, I, I've tried to forget bad. that day. That was a bad, bad day. <laughs> oh, Shinsuke was like, that piano was like supposed to break or something, but. It, it did it. That was solid as a rock. Anyway, back to Drew and AJ. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have too much more to say about it, I guess, but like, I just, I really do want to see Drew have, maybe, and maybe not even like so much a storyline as just like him, Daniel kind of just being together again, because we had the storyline where Again, as I mentioned before, Drew and Daniel were, like, on the outs and, like, they weren't talking. And I think Drew was coaching Gronk, if I'm not mistaken, if I haven't forgotten. Time flies weirdly now. Um, But I think Drew was coaching Gronk and Drew was like, hey, if you want, I'll come back to you, Daniel. I'll come back, Mr. Brian Danielson. Um, (laughs) I hate that that's his name. Brian Danielson and Daniel Bryan. That is it's so, so perfect. dumb. I feel like he was just like, you know, let's just flip some stuff around. I don't, I don't care. That seems like a very spiteful decision on his part. Um, but I think he he definitely deserves more. But I think it also comes down to like what because obviously we don't know this, but like what he wants to do because maybe he really just wants to be on the sidelines coaching Daniel right now like how MVP was like I don't want to produce stuff that much anymore I want to be a character again so I mean, as much as we want to see it who knows maybe Elias getting his ass beat every every episode is his decision as opposed to Vince McMahon's do you think Elias is actually hurt by the way I, I think he's hurt internally I think he's got severe depression um, <laughs> and just takes it out on himself I just like I worry that like I worry that he's actually like he was actually injured at some point recently. Elias was driving the car. <laughs> Imagine Elias was the guy all along. Oh god. Um, but god. let's let's quickly move on because I think we've been talking about this for like at least twenty minutes now. Um. I also do because I this is next to my notes somehow. Um, 
So, the Miss and Morrison committed a crime tonight, also. Prior to Braun flipping their van. Yeah, those glasses. What a crime. Yeah! <laughs> I just thought... I thought it was so funny, because, like... It was very clear that, they were, that Braun was like, yeah, you can use my car, but you can't damage a single thing outside of the goddamn windshield, I swear. No, <laughs> that, that... Anything else. That definitely wasn't his car, because, I mean, yeah, the windshield was damaged, but also glass pieces flew inside of the car. Can't you just vacuum that? It's probably... I'm sure Braun drives a rental anyway. No, he probably lives in Florida. They all live in Florida right now. Not the Miz. The Miz runs a very strange schedule where I think he has to, like, fly every Friday. Yeah. Um, but it was just funny because I was like, oh, they're playing little pranks on him. Like, that sucks for, um, well, what's her name? Was it Carly? Is it Carly? Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. The paint. That's all I'm talking about is the paint. Um, Kayla. Kayla's her name. Um, I was like, oh, they're, like, pulling fun pranks and all of a sudden they're like, Let's cause property damage. I'm like, oh. Somehow you guys are still like adorable while you're doing it, but oh, <laughs> whoops. You know, I I think them after seeing Braun lift that van is gonna scare them. Oh yeah. I think they're gonna turn to an unlikely ally to make it a three on one. And you know the name I'm gonna say. Don't say Bray. It's not going to be it's Bray. It's going to be Bray. It's going to be Bray. Seth Rollins is having a kid, and he's been wrestling and setting setting stuff up. I His think... childhood was five months away, Mark. I... Bray's child was born like four weeks ago. Yeah, he's already four weeks into it. He can, he can dip. He can go for filming an episode. Okay, Shayna. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I... Um... <laughs> I, I think it's going to be Bray. You can quote me on this. You guys can quote me on this. It's going to be Bray. Alright. Um, I, As I said before about if Seamus or Daniel Bryan are the people involved in this scheme with Jeff Hardy, I will take a shot if it's Bray Wyatt that they turn to, okay? I will do that for you. Because I think you're crazy. And you'll do it on camera, too. Sure, absolutely. During, during the... Uh, podcast happens you'll do it yes okay cool i'll probably also cry so it'll be fine um so after ms morrison caused property damage we had the six-man tag team match with the new day and shorty g and shinsuke cesaro and mr mojo raleigh mm-hmm. um kind of a weird uh six-man tag team it felt very pieced together, that's for sure. Yeah, not not a bad fight. It was pretty good. Mojo was unexpectedly great. I wonder if, like, maybe they did plan for, like, a different match. Yeah. Because um, Mojo, again, he just came back from, like, this is the first time I think we've seen him since WrestleMania. And Shorty G came out of quite literally nowhere um, at the Rumble. Because suddenly he was just like, I'm back. I'm here. Hey, guys. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sure. Um, I am 
noticing this and I'm really loving it. I am enjoying the freedom that they're giving Cesaro. I feel like they're giving him more of a personality as opposed to just like some European douchebag. Um, Cause I, it seemed like he was just kind of like snooty for like a little while, but, but um, now all of a sudden he's getting to play dirty. And I love that. Unfortunately, I think that's due to Sami Zayn leaving. And now that Shinsuke and Cesaro don't have Sammy as his as their manager, somebody needs to take the reins, and I think that person, Cesaro, which yeah. it's working out. But what happens when Sammy comes back? If Sammy comes back, I, isn't he just gone for the coronavirus? He is, but he left on really weird terms. It seemed, mm. um, considering. He was still, I mean, again, we started watching as the pandemic got really bad. Because um, I think we started watching shortly after I started working from home, mm-hmm. uh, if not right before. And because we started watching in March. And Sammy was still around because we saw him. Yeah. Sammy. So. Sammy was definitely around when we were watching. Uh, he was around for a while, and then all of a sudden he just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if he was in WrestleMania or not. Not anything about it. No, he wasn't. Okay. Oh, wait, yes, he was, because he came out to that ska music. Yes, and that was super cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I love that. That was he, a great entrance. He wrestled somebody. It was yeah. He actually wrestled somebody at WrestleMania. I forget who it was, but it was just him. Cesaro and Shinsuke did not fight, although they might have like pulled some stuff from the sidelines. But it was mainly Sammy. Oh, wasn't it Sammy versus MVP or something? Um. No, that wouldn't make sense. Oh, wasn't it? It was Daniel Bryan. Was it? Yeah, he beat Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, okay. Yeah, and that was super cool. Also, the fact that Sami Zayn can beat Daniel Bryan is... Well, did he beat him? Yeah, I think so. I don't think that was a really dirty fight, because I know we watched it, and I was pretty drunk, so... Mm. Okay. I would have definitely had words to say for my birthday twin. Okay. Um, but I am, I'm really enjoying seeing Cesaro getting to take more of a... Um more of an active role, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right, because Shinsuke doesn't seem to be as extroverted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably. But I'm starting to come around to him. I know I've said a lot of mean things about Shinsuke over the course of time, but I don't think that they're doing, the WWE is doing a lot to make him someone you want to watch. I know I've seen like a lot of articles especially recently saying that they aren't doing a lot for his character at all yeah I I think we started watching at the wrong time to be supporting Shinsuke yeah Um, he was big when he started he was really big yeah he was massive in Japan I think he was big when he started in America Um, but since then he's just become some lackey for Sam yeah um, I think the most we got out of him was um, Cesaro 
or the match with him and Cesaro versus Elias. Yeah. Um, that was probably the most that we've actually seen him do anything recently. And even then he got brutalized. Yeah. So I, it was a weird match for sure. I was actually very worried for Kofi at first because it did look like he, it did look like he was kind of injured the way he landed on his knee on the ground there. Yeah. That did not look good. But I'm sure the, the floor around the ring is padded as well, considering a lot of stuff happens there and it looks padded too. True. Um, uh, but it doesn't matter. I, I can tell you're, you're petting something. <laughs> um, I I don't know there, there didn't seem too much interesting stuff about that fight I mean you had I think Shorty G was the highlight of it he was he was really great against like bigger opponents like Mojo and Cesaro as much as I hate him yeah Biggie Biggie was good um, he didn't really shine though Same, Kofi basically fell on his ass intentionally um but Shorty G really shined that fight. And I think it's intentional because he just came back. He needed a fight to shine. And he just got it. I mean, again, exactly what they should be doing with Matt Riddle. Yeah. Um, which, actually, maybe that's a good person for him to fight. Um, nah, he's not big enough for, for him to fight. I think definitely as much as I've been like, oh, I don't like Shorty G. He's kind of annoying. And he also, I think I hate him because he looks like a lot of guys I went to like school with growing up. I feel like, like a lot of the soccer guys in my school that I did not like, I feel like he reminds me of them. So I think that's why I don't like him. But um, He did show a lot of like, he's very compact. Like yeah. He's very compact and he's very like dense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that he was able to take on like Cesaro and Mojo, and at the end when he was holding both Cesaro and Shinsuke back from like going into the ring, that was stunning. Yeah. Um, but the way that Mojo knocked Kofi into midair, oh my god, he was like a truck. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point. Biggie and Kofi have just been kind of sidelined. They don't feel like like headlining fighters at this point. Yeah. They, I I want to see them more in the spotlight, and maybe they're waiting until they can introduce Xavier Woods because maybe that's really close to happening, and they want to headline with Xavier Woods' return. I think the problem right now is that. It seems like all the male tag teams are, besides the New Day, are either distracted or not people you can put on TV right now. Because the Miz and Morrison are fighting a two-on-one with Braun. Tucky hasn't been back for a while, and I'm sure that's probably because of coronavirus. Uh, um, Jimmy Uso's injured. Jimmy's injured, so it's just Jay. Um and the Forgotten Sons are... In, in a bind, let's just say. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they're in... I, I don't think that they would be in this position right now, fighting a six-man tag match, if it weren't for the fact that Forgotten Sons did what they did. 
or well, did what he did. Um, There's still Lucha House Party. Where are they? They were around for a while. What happened to them? Sideline, just like the New Day, except the New Day are getting screen time. Ooh. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the two of them fight, but at the same time, most of the fights that we've seen between Lucha House Party and the New Day have been um, three-way tag matches, I think, because it's been yeah. like that with Morrison or four-way, and it's them, Ms. Morrison, Forgotten Sons. Yeah, because I feel like the Lucha House Party is just like a side team. Like, they just, they come in in multiple tag team fights and show off some nice moves, but then get their asses beat. I don't want to say that they're like a side team, because like, they've been pretty, I mean, even back when I was watching in college, I remember them being pretty big um so i think saying that they're a side team doesn't do them a lot of justice i think it's really the fact that they um i just don't think that they have anyone that they can fight right now i don't think that they have a lot of options i think that's the problem is that there's no one i don't know how good a fight between lucha house party and the new day would be just because there's been very few times where they've been really paired against each other. I think Kofi has the springiness that would help fight Lucha House Party, but it's... I just don't think that... I just don't think that they have anyone right now. And I think that they really need someone because, frankly, I think Lucha House Party is one of the most entertaining tag teams that you could be watching. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll be on Raw backing Rey Mysterio and we'll just have like a slew of luchadors just backing Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins like Lucha House Party um, Rey Mysterio's son um, El Hijo de Fantasma that's NXT he, he'll come on Raw just for just for one just like how Charlotte Flair floats between all of them uh, El Hijo de Fantasma well you've forgotten the most important one Umberto He's not a luchador. But he's there for Mr. Mysterio, and you know that. Him and Alistair right, have been yeah, then back throw, Mysterio for a while. Throw Alistair in there. <laughs> it'll it's be honorary luchador, Alistair Black. It'll be all these average height uh, Latinos, and then you have Alistair. Oh, my skinny little man. Just, like, standing above the whole crowd of luchadors. <laughs> this tower... No, he can sit cross-legged. Yeah. That'll be his thing. <laughs> on top of oh. Seth Rollins. Please. Um, well, we can get into that on Monday because... That's, like, my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> um, if I don't see Dominic Mysterio come out at some point on Monday, I'll probably scream. <laughs> He's gotta. They, they set him up on last Monday. Dominic is ready to tear Seth Rollins' man bun off of his head. And I am frankly so excited to watch while Alistair Black stands by just like <laughs> rising from his little grave. Alistair's gonna like take Dominic in his arms and hurl him at uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins. He can be a jumping board for all of them. <laughs> for those familiar with comics, it'll be like Wolverine and Colossus. 
I, I forget what the move's called, but yeah, he'll be throwing him like a human cannonball. I don't know anything about comics, so. I'm a little in joke. Um, so we got to watch Co- um, Kofi pin Mojo, um, which was. Wait, was it Kofi pinning Mojo or is it Shorty G pinning Mojo? No, Kofi pinned Mojo while Shorty G held. Oh. Uh, out of the ring. Right, because the camera wasn't really on Kofi doing that. They were right, focused on, on all of them. Yeah. Um, so after that, we had obviously Ms. and Morrison uh, getting tipped over in a van. Um, and then, of course, we had Jeff Hardy and Seamus announced at Backlash, which I didn't see coming, but I am so excited for. Oh my god. This is why I pay nine ninety nine a month. Cause this is like the best like two weeks for wrestling. Cause we get we had Monday Night Raw, Wednesday night NXT, Friday SmackDown. This Sunday we've got NXT Takeover. Then Monday we've got Raw again. And then Wednesday we've got NXT again. And then Friday we got SmackDown again. And then Sunday we've got Backlash. We are not paid to endorse WWE in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Sorry, but Vince. That's what <laughs> That being said, since this is the only thing that brings me joy anymore, <laughs> I'm having an every other day high and then an every other day like depression low. But that's fine. Um, so that being said, um, I will probably be very drunk for our podcast after Backlash. I'm going to be very honest about that. Um, but then we have NXT TakeOver this coming Sunday. I'm really excited for NXT TakeOver. I want to see Adam Cole win and I want to see Velveteen Dreams so pitifully <sighs> I, I just want everyone watching to be aware that I am I'm not so into NXT so I, I probably will be less vocal then see that's my that's the beauty of my Gemini nature is that I watch one episode of NXT and then suddenly I knew everything about NXT because I spent the entire episode looking everything up so I know at least 12 things enough to keep a podcast going for an hour. Um, anyways, so last fight of the day. Last fight, worst fight. Um, worst fight. Or, that was that was play on um, Seamus's workout videos, his his workout training videos, because his thing is last set, best set. Um, unfortunately, tonight it was last fight, worst fight because I was. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Well, I've never been this angry before. <laughs> uh, here's here's until Drew loses his fucking title, I will not be this angry. Because we've been dancing around what the fight's been. It was Alexa Cross, Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Cross versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Here's the tag team title for women. Yeah, um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross lost the tag team women's tag team title to Bailey and Sasha. But here's my thoughts. Nikki Cross has been extre- like much less aggressive in the ring than she used to be. No. Sorry. I don't want to interrupt you here. They're getting into her head. She's been like cuz like last time they fought the Iconics. I think it was I don't remember who it was, but someone was saying, one of the announcers was saying, like, you know, Nikki Cross has been really erratic. She hasn't been very useful in the ring for Alexa. 
and like all this like nasty stuff and I just I feel like we'll get into this later or not later but like as like we talk about this but it feels like they're unnecessarily discrediting her in a fight that does not warrant any sort of discrediting for Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross yeah I don't the last thing I want to see is them break up because they're one of my favorite women's tag teams. If they um, break up before Sasha and Bailey do, I that they've been setting up for so long. I'm being like being teased by it. I want it. Um but I don't I think Nikki has been what has been dragging down their tag team for a while because did they lose to Iconics last so, Monday? Yes, they lost to Iconics, but I think it. When you consider the fact that their last few big fights have been between them and the Iconics and them and Bailey and Sasha, and these are two teams that play incredibly dirty. I mean, Bailey was fighting ringside all of tonight. Anytime that like Art Bailey. I said Bailey, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Nikki was fighting ringside all night. Like when Alexa was in the ring with Sasha, Bailey would be stopping. Nikki would be stopping Bailey from like jumping in the ring, like illegally, mm-hmm. like they love to do. And it drives me insane because they made Nikki look so bad tonight, yeah. and they've been making her look so bad when they were dealing especially tonight considering the fact that it does not seem like they have let Sasha and um, Bailey win a fight without cheating mm. in a long time the fact that like Nikki fought so hard tonight and like had a lot of really good moves I mean the way she like remember when she like basically kick flipped Bailey mm-hmm. like that was amazing but it just the fighting dirty really made her look like crap. I, I think they're going to have them crash and burn hard because they now have two titles. Bailey has the women's um, champion, women's SmackDown champion title, and then uh, Sasha, and then both of them have the women's tag team title. So I think they're going to lose both of those hard, and that might cause their split. Because now um, they're not going to split when they both have the title. Fair. I'm personally... I think... I don't think that this is going to cause a rift between Alexa and Nikki. Only because mm-hmm. I think they have kind of a very similar vibe, in a sense, to the Miz and Morrison, where it's like, they're friends, and they're in it together. Yeah. Um, like, last... Raw episode um, last Monday. Uh, Nikki and Billy Kay were fighting, and after Nikki lost, like you could see Alexa like comforting her and being like, "It's okay, like don't worry." It's just very frustrating that you get to watch Sasha Banks, who seems to have so much talent, and then to watch something so flagrant tonight as. Bailey shoving herself in the ring, shoving um, Sasha out to show her how to pin someone. 
like yeah i don't know how much longer the writers are going to make me be like tonight's the night tonight's the night when they break up if there's anything we've learned from wwe it's that they love to drag things out way too long we're probably not going to learn who crashed a car into elias till july 2021 well since i already know they're going to have some, like, Murder on the Orient Express kind of investigation going on that'll take a year. Maybe it was Corbin. No, I don't think it was Corbin. He's bald. He could wear a red wig. Easy peasy. He would want to crash into Elias with his car. That's my logic. Um, I, back to this fight tonight. Um, so, Alexa and Nikki lost their titles to Sasha and Bailey. And of course, Sasha and Bailey. There's apparently no rules when they fight in the ring anymore. Um, there were several moments where, you know, Bailey would be pinning someone, and Sasha would just be suddenly in the ring. No one tagged her, or like, or rather, Nikki would be pinning uh, Bailey, and like Sasha would just come in and like tackle. It's like I can't, I can't deal with this any longer, and I am kind of getting a little tired of the fact that it seems like all of the women's wrestling storylines at this point, at least in SmackDown, are oh, well, I don't want you sleeping with this man, so I'm gonna you know, scam you or something or like, oh these two girls are best friends, but they're fighting. It's Mm -hmm. like I'm tired. I want them to have storylines. I want Sasha to be like, screw this. I'm out. I'm going to go be my own person because I'm talented enough to be my own person. And we aren't getting that. Well, we've got uh, Charlotte Flair, who's got her own story. I'm glad we have one person. Becky and Lynch. And Ripley, I guess. Asuka. I do love Asuka. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was so so mad at that fight I don't think I personally am like just very tired of watching this happen over and over again since like they've had Bailey and Sasha have had the same MO of like just like distraction tactics and breaking the rules when everyone else is like not breaking the rules you know yeah um but yeah, shall we move on to figuring out what the fight of the night is? Um, would you like to first discuss what you think your promo of the night was? I think my promo of the night is The Miz and John Morrison pranking Braun Strowman. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Outside of maybe the Shorty G promo, I think Miz and John Morrison was the best executed even yeah. though the green paint that they still on Kayla looks like uh, I mean you could also consider AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan their speeches being a promo Daniel's speech was really good but I, I guess I still will stand by Miz and Morrison yeah, because so, they're fools yeah I think we can agree on Miz and John Morrison and Braun Strowman's prank wars being the promo of the night. Yeah. This SmackDown. Now, fight of the night. 
What would you say yours is? Mine, I would have to say Drew Gulak versus AJ Styles. It's definitely... I'm kind of tied on that one. Um, I really enjoyed Sonya and Lacey. Um, I really enjoyed the physicality, but I think that's it probably is tied with Drew and AJ. Mostly based on the fact that I really liked Sonya and Lacey's fight for the physicality and for the fact that nothing really seemed very, like, fakey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the beauty of Drew's fighting style is that he it's very contact oriented so because of his finishing move and because there was not a ref screaming in pain um, I would definitely say that I will agree that might be one of my favorite matches from tonight can, can I argue um, my point a little bit Sure. Um, I, I, the whole Lacey and Sonya fight has such a poor motivation to it. It has a poor okay. lead-in, and it has no out. The AJ Styles-Drew Gulak fight, the backstory, or like the lead-up, is Daniel Bryan and his strive to victory, and being coached by Drew Gulak, and AJ Styles, who has his entitlement for the championship, but also thinking that um, Drew Gulak was handed the opportunity to coach Daniel Bryan. And so his ego got the best of him and wanted to challenge Drew Gulak, but that didn't go so well. And now that's leading us into this event where it seems like anything can happen. If AJ Styles lost, that would be... That would be kind of big for his character. After you have him lose to Drew Gulak, have him lose to Daniel Bryan, it's like... I, I don't know. It's not really a shock in any way to us as an audience. I feel like they might have him win. Although it would be devastating to Daniel Bryan, to the audience, having AJ Styles lose twice in a row as the underdog I was on board with you for most of that um, they're, they're setting up AJ Styles to be an underdog is what I'm saying I get that but when you consider if you go all the way back to the fact that Daniel fought Sammy for the title and lost mm. the fact that now he has a second chance I think makes him more viable as a winner because um, he's already tried for this before and he hasn't really fought AJ before for it Yeah, you know he's beaten a lot of people for it and I think Daniel Bryan deserves the payoff and I think that the WWE will see that but, um, I think the writers will see that but also who is AJ Styles beaten he beat Shinsuke during the that? huh I said who has AJ Styles beaten he beat Shinsuke, and that's it. Okay. Yeah. He's got to beat like somebody. I feel like I'm remembering a fight that he was in recently that I... Money in the Bank. Is that Yeah, he, um, he was in Money in the Bank, because that was right after his return. He came uh, back, went on Money yeah. in the Bank, 
um, after like wh- who did he be like Umberto or Andrade or something? But he beat Umberto. Yeah, he he qualified very stupidly, coming in at like the last second to pin. Like Umberto had taken on like fourteen different guys. Yeah, and so at Money in the Bank, he got pinned under a weight. He got um, the. Um, the briefcase thrown out of his hands into Otis. So he's been screwed over a lot lately, and I think that they're going to make this either his last fall or what brings him back up to make him the heel of SmackDown. Unless... Unless he reveals that he was the one who framed Mr. Hardy, and then loses because now he's a massive heel he's got a thing with jeff hardy he's got a thing with sheamus because he screwed over sheamus and he liked jeff hardy and he's lost the intercontinental championship and money in the bank he's got so much to fight for and daniel bryan gets what he deserves which is a win yeah, I mean, for a pay-per-view event, I think that's what they would go with, because I think they consider pay-per-view events to be, like, the be-all, end-all, like, this is where storylines wrap up, kind of. Yeah. Um, so, it would make Which sense. see what happens with Edge and Orton, because Edge hasn't been around at all. Who, who won in WrestleMania? Edge? Yeah. I feel like Randy Orton's gonna win. Yeah, he probably will. That's that's a podcast for another night. Um, so what are we saying is the fight of the night? Drew Gulak versus will, AJ Styles? I will agree with you on Drew Gulak because I wasn't really looking at the storyline per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say Drew Gulak. I think he, I think his, the entire fight and how nothing seemed very certain at first all the way to the German suplex. Yeah. Yep. I'll vibe with that. I'll vibe with that. And it's a shame because the women's tag team fight at the end was like the headlining fight for the night. But I feel like having um, Bailey cheat every every single time makes her fight seem much and much worse. And it sucks because I know for a fact both Bailey and Sasha Banks separately are amazing fighters. Yeah, I know that they're really awesome in the ring. It sucks that right now the writers are just making it so they're just kind of playing dirty and getting by on cheap tactics and fake drama, it seems. Mm-hmm. When I think they deserve at this point to go off on their own. Yeah. I, I think Bailey needs to do some solo fights. Um, she needs to... Sasha. Well, here here's my thought process with Bailey. Um, she needs to get her ass beat, basically. She needs to get yeah. her ass beat because she can't pull those same cheap tactics when she's alone. You know? Okay. Um, she's going to go up against, like, a Nia Jax or something, or a Tamina. Because they, haven't they beaten Tamina every time? They fought Tamina once. I don't remember the second time, but they've definitely they've beaten Tamina. I know that much. I think Tamina's gonna, when they separate, if they ever decide to, Tamina's gonna come in, and just wanna whoop Bailey's ass. I. 
if they don't separate within the next, I would say the next SmackDown, I'm going to be really disappointed because I don't know where, I don't know how much longer they can really hold out on this. Mm. Considering, again, tonight, like the move that Bailey pulled by forcing Sasha out of the ring was so obviously disrespectful that I can't see Sasha's character going on this road much longer. I'm really, really hoping, and I kind of thought that that was what was going to happen tonight, um, but I was I was really hoping that we were going to see a um, turn, in a mm. sense, where all of a sudden Bailey and Sasha are fighting. Yeah. You know, I really want to see that, because I think they need to have a Matt Riddle-Timothy Thatcher moment, where it's like, I'm done. I'm out. We can fight later. That's it. Yeah. But that's that's a prediction we got to make. Um, we'll probably be holding out on this one for until at least the next big four pay-per-view event. So. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, is that is that all with this episode? We've got our fight of the night. We've got our promo of the night. I think that's about it tonight. Um, so... Yeah, we tonight was tonight was another weird night. Um, a lot of a lot of promos because obviously they're really gearing up for backlash. I'm sure next SmackDown event is probably not going to be much different. Um, but in the meantime, we have I think we have NXT Takeover mm-hmm. uh, coming up next on Sunday. That starts at seven. We will be on after that ends. There is obviously no set time for the ending for that. It'll probably be around ten. Um, but do do we maybe want to consider picking a fighter of the night? Fighter of the night. Yeah. Ooh. Um. Since we st- we have we're still under two hours right now for this podcast. Um. I mean, I mean, I have a pick for fighter of the night. I don't know about you. I'm biased, I think, for any of the people that I'm thinking of. But you tell me who you're thinking of, and I'll lay out my options. You're going to hate it, but Shorty G. Shorty G just went off in his fight. I expected nothing from him, and I got everything from his kick-ass fighting style. I... He, he really he's the only fighter tonight that really surprised me I really do not like him I'm, it's so hard for me to be like I don't like this person because like at the end of the day like I'll watch an interview with them like outside of the ring later on I'll be like oh they're a person um I don't he's not my first pick he definitely had a really great night tonight though um I think my first picks are biased. Is it uh, Lacey Evans and Sonya Deville? No. Hmm. Shockingly, no. Who is it? I really... Well, okay. So I had three people come to mind. Obviously, watching Braun Strowman flip a truck was pretty... He didn't fight, though. He didn't fight at all. The entire van. It's not. He didn't have a fight. He didn't have but a build fight. Entire van. Oh. 
Um, I did really like watching Sheamus' fight, even though that wasn't even a real fight. Just because Jeff Hardy suddenly didn't have gauges and it was like, it's going to happen. Um, and watching him just... First of all, the brogue kick to Jeff Hardy's little chinny-chin-chin was... It's like the Claymore for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here for that. I love seeing my my, my dear uh, United Kingdom men kicking people in the face. Um, everyone's in for a treat on Monday when I start talking about Drew McIntyre. Um, but that being said, um, I really like watching his fight. Um, I really like watching him just take hold of Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy kind of beat the shit out of him the other night. Um, but I was going to say Drew Gulak because there were several moments in the fight with AJ Styles where I really thought, I don't think he's coming back from this. I think this is going to be like an embarrassing moment for Drew and Daniel. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Drew just flipped things on its head and I was like... Yeah. I, and I mean, yeah. I, I guess I, sh- I should go more towards Drew Gulak since Shorty G didn't really like he didn't pin anybody. He he didn't win the fight. Yeah, Drew. Drew is definitely the most critical between the two. For anyone watching, um, I think it's very apparent that Mark and I have a strong favoring towards Mr. Gulak. Drew Gulak <laughs> is. We both love him so much. He's probably my favorite wrestler at this point. He and Daniel, at least for SmackDown, or I again we. The technical style is very enjoyable to watch, and it makes you feel like you're watching genuine wrestling. Yeah. But I think Drew is probably the fighter of the night for me because, you know, he's out there on his own. He can't tag anyone in. All he's got is, like, the support of his dearest, dearest friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree he, with you. You know, I, he and he, because he hasn't had a lot of, like, moments prior to that, because he was out at the Rumble pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't had many nights recently where he was the one to go out there and with his own strength defeat mm-hmm. someone. And I think that's why I really liked him tonight. All right. So we've got our promo of the night, which is um, The Miz and John Morrison pranking Braun Strowman. We've got our fight of the night, which was Drew Gulak versus AJ Styles. And we've got our fighter of the night, which is Drew Gulak. Yay, Drew Gulak. He wins. <laughs> Um, so we have on Sunday, uh, probably probably starting around ten, I would guess. Um, I don't think NXT Takeover is going to be that long, and since it's normally two hours, I would imagine it's going to probably be three for the Takeover, maybe four. Um, after that, where I will probably end up talking for a very long time, um, which I probably have already done tonight. But that being said, we have NXT Takeover on Sunday. Um, we will obviously keep everyone updated via our individual Twitters um, when that's going to start. Uh, and maybe we can even try to live tweet some stuff just to keep people in the know as like, oh, this is about to end, in case you aren't actually watching. Um, so, yeah, NXT TakeOver Sunday, probably around 10 or 11 will be on, uh, talking about whatever happens and hopefully we're going to be talking about Velveteen Dream losing um and the VOD for this podcast will be up on YouTube search the Pinfall Podcast on YouTube um and my Twitter is what is my Twitter 
Mark Milkdud, M-A-R-C, Milkdud. Oh. Yeah, what's your Twitter? You don't yeah. No, 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 no. we're good. All right, everyone have a good night. Bye. <laughs> My Twitter is Eliza Elaine 23. Isn't it just three? I think. I think, let's, I think it's let's just Eliza Elaine 3. Let's go to the phone machine real quick. What do you think it is? What do we... Let's make a bet. I'll bet 10 bucks that it's Eliza Elaine 3, because I added you twice today. Um, Sweet boy, you owe me 10 bucks. It's Eliza Elaine 23. E-L-I-Z-A-E-L-A-I-N-E-2-3. And if you think about following me, it might be SOL because I um, am on private. But, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll, I'll look at my follow requests. I'm cutting this part out of the, out of the VOD and just saying so you know. That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, to anyone who tuned in, um, to anyone who watches this on uh, YouTube, um, assuming this part isn't also cut out, uh, thank you. Um, I don't know if anyone actually did tune in, and that's fine, because I have no way to know, and I'm just going to pretend that everyone tuned in. So thank you so much for watching and get ready to watch this um, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Sundays, depending on what events come up. And definitely next two Sundays, because we will definitely be here. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you Sunday.